What if I told you that the overwhelming majority of society is committing adultery without even realizing they're doing it? Most people think that adultery is simply an action that has to be physical. And what they don't realize is that adultery begins with the mind. If you ask the average person what they think about during intimacy, they'll be very uncomfortable to tell you what that is if their spouse is next to them. In fact, if you tell people that they should have holy thoughts, they won't even know what you're talking about more times than not. What does it mean, a holy thought? Can I have a holy thought while having some unholy thought? What if I want to have holy thoughts while my spouse is not exactly a holy person? These are the type of things we need answers for. And along the way, we're going to meet a very special neshama, one of the righteous souls of the generation that overcame an extraordinary obstacle, an obstacle that you are probably dealing with as well. These are the things we need to know in order to know what we can do, in order to know what we should do, in order to know how to be holy. Enjoy the lecture, share it, and remember, the goal of everything is for us to achieve being holy. We're back here on our Tuesday night Jewish Intimacy Series. Tonight, Bezal Hashem, the Shiur is going to be for the Refuah Shlema for Rabbanit Sarah Bat Anat, Rav Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Levana Bat Sarah, Avi Mori David Ben Nesriya, Imi Morati Doris Bat Jora, Sarah Bat Esther, and all of Am Yisrael and all the righteous Noahites that continue to contribute and help us do all the amazing things that we're doing, Baruch Hashem. Uh, reminder for everybody, as usual, to uh, watch the new episode of the uh, podcast, the uh, Returning to Hashem podcast. Baruch Hashem has had extraordinary feedback so far, and uh, we're looking to hear from more of you, what you think of it, how it inspired you. Quite a few people have been inspired by it, so certainly uh, a, a worth watching uh, for everybody, whether you're religious, not religious, uh, whether you're male, female, young or old, it's uh, simply a great uh, story. We already set up Baruch Hashem for the next one coming up on Motzei Shabbat. Uh, so uh, it's Bezat uh, Hashem going to be published on Motzei Shabbat at 9 p.m. Of course, uh, if you're uh, running late or to the shiur, but obviously you're still celebrating Shabbat, then simply rewind it and you'll be able to watch it on Motzei Shabbat as soon as it comes out. Uh, also to remind all of you that uh, uh, haven't ordered already some of our uh, books. We have our uh, new book, Baruch Hashem Or Levana. Uh, these books, Baruch Hashem, have gotten great feedback. It's in Hebrew only, so if you have an English-speaking community where everybody speaks English, please do not order them. I already had a couple of times people uh, tell me that they uh, got them, but then they realize that they're uh, only in Hebrew, and they don't read Hebrew, and nobody they know he reads Hebrew. So obviously, this is not appropriate for you, but if you have a uh, Hebrew-speaking community, which Baruch Hashem, there's quite of them, Please order a box or two boxes or three boxes of them. Each box has 20. Uh, get them to people. Baruch Hashem. They have had great feedback. Also, you can get the cards. The cards are for all communities, whether they're speaking Hebrew or they're speaking English or even other languages, because this movie, Tikkun Abrit, as well as my other movie, uh, Hashem Took Back His Millions, have inspired people in many languages, in I think 10 different languages. So get some of these cards. Each order comes with, I believe, 20 of them. So, uh, or 10 of them, but you can get more if you want. Get these cards, people can uh, pick them up, scan the card, and then they'll be able to watch the movie for free and uh, be inspired for it. And Bezat Hashem, 
I'll tell you a story about the movie later tonight as far as how it relates to our shiul and what it actually did uh, in uh, the uh, recent months, Baruch Hashem. So with that being said, we continue our series to uh, continue sanctifying our uh, marriages, sanctifying our lives as we've uh, learned already over the last several months from the uh, Rambana Kadosh that, uh, as the uh, sages say, is the last Mekubal. Uh, not that the other Mekubalim thereafter were not uh, uh, Mekubalim, but uh, he was from the, uh, you know, from the Rishonim uh, generation about 800 years ago. And uh, the Holy Ramban has been uh, really preparing us for the uh, act of intimacy and uh, you know, trying to get us to understand that intimacy is much more than what society has uh, unfortunately been uh, teaching people, teaching even children, where it's uh, simply an animalistic act. Uh, you act on desires, you act on whatever's on your mind, even if it is uh, with somebody that you don't care for, even if it's not with somebody that uh, is even uh, you know interested in being with you. And unfortunately today, what's happened in society when it comes to uh, the acts of intimacy, they have degraded it to such an extent that it's uh, almost, you know, better to simply uh, avoid the topic altogether unless you know what you're talking about. Because what's happened now is that they're teaching little children, as I've said many times, and I can't emphasize this enough, to protect your kids from these wicked teachers and these wicked schools. And unfortunately, sometimes even wicked rabbis like this uh, Ephraim Mervis uh, from uh, London, uh, who uh, tells people that if the children uh, want to uh, be homosexual, if they want to change their gender, uh, you shouldn't tell the parents. Uh, you shouldn't tell the parents. Now, of course, when the uh, Jewish community does not rebuke, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will sometimes send the Goim to rebuke. Uh, and uh, that's actually exactly what happened with the Fly Melvis, where some of the Goim came out and said, this is completely appalling, how dare he? say that parents should not be informed that their children want to change their gender. And we're not talking about children like, uh, you know, 25, 30-year-old children. We're talking about children like literally children. Uh, you know, if an 8-year-old has been influenced by one of these transvestites, uh, uh, one of these LGBTQ filths, uh, that, uh, that he is a she and she is a he, and the kid wants to do something about it, take hormones and uh, do all types of things to destroy his body or her body, Ephraim Mervis, Shem Reshaim Yerkav, is telling people that you don't need to tell the parents this. Now, of course, when the Goim came out with this, this was uh, great that some truth is in the world, but it was actually, at the same token, a Chilul uh, Hashem that us Jews did not do more than what we did. That, uh, you know, of course, we do our best to speak about it, and we did, but unfortunately, we are alone in this aspect. No one else wants to talk about this, and it's truly sad because they are literally turning this generation to a generation of deformed people, bale mum, people that have deformities. Deformities of the mind is leading to deformities of the body. Now, this is something that has happened before, just so you know. So no one tricks you and no one fools you to think that this is a new thing or unique thing. There is a Holocaust that everyone is aware of. Well, until the 1960s, where Eichmann's lawsuit, where they finally caught him 
and tried him, until then the uh, Israeli and, and even American society mocked the Holocaust survivors, but only after they saw the, and heard the stories of the Holocaust survivors did the Holocaust change, uh, uh, you know, the people changed their perception about the Holocaust and the Holocaust survivors. They stopped making fun of them, and in fact, uh, today they honor them and uh, to, to such an extent where they call them Kedoshim. Now again, this is not a, uh, 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 to say that uh, this is incorrect, but my point is, is that the Holocaust is something that every Jew, and quite frankly, almost every non-Jew, has heard about, depending on how much you educate yourself, and everyone is aware that it's happened. Of course, there are the deniers and the losers out there, but we're going to leave them for different lectures. But one, a lot, what a lot of people don't realize is that the Holocaust didn't just happen. The Holocaust was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his sages warned us about, as Rav Ephraim proves in his, a, uh, uh, in his Kuntres HaShoah, where he literally brings different uh, uh, statements from sages preceding the Holocaust by over 100 years, predicting that it's going to happen. But one of the things that, uh, you know, that actually happened before the Holocaust hit its ugly head and literally started massacring Jews is the Nuremberg Laws. And the Nuremberg Laws, for anyone that watched our series Era of Mashiach based on Rav Wasserman's Kuntres, Ikvita di Meshicha, we went over the, the Nuremberg Laws. And in fact, the Nuremberg Laws are synonymous with the laws of the Torah, where a Jew is not allowed to marry a Gentile, not allowed to be intimate with her, not allowed to uh, 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 be with her in any shape, way, or form, uh, and other things that the Torah commands us to, uh, to stay away from and forbids us to do. Akadosh Baruch Hu saw that the Reform, Conservative, and other types of rabbis that do not want to rebuke were not helping Am Yisrael, were not helping Klal Yisrael, so he sent the Guim. He sent the Guim to remind us of what our Torah says, and unfortunately, we didn't listen until it was too late. The point being is, is that when people like Ephraim Mervis and his, uh, his buddy uh, Dweck say things to promote homosexuality, or like that other Rasha that's in Long Island, I forget his name, Shem Rashaim Yerkav, that has uh, become the LGBTQ uh, rabbi, Orthodox rabbi. He looks like an Orthodox rabbi. He has a hat, he has a suit, he has a beard. He calls himself Orthodox rabbi. He's as far of being a rabbi as you could possibly imagine. But the point being is, when you have people like this accepting and promoting LGBTQ and all types of deformed mentalities that lead to deformed bodies, and the Jewish community does not cry foul over this, then you could be assured that a Kadosh Baruch Hu is not going to stay silent. He will send the Goim once, twice, three times, and of course, it just gets uglier from there. The point being here is that when it comes to Jewish intimacy, a person needs to understand that these are things that you need to know in order to remove yourselves from the wicked and sanctify yourself, to be holy. Now, of course, a person is not going to be able to do all of this in one day, and we're not saying that anyone is expected to. But the key is to understand is that these are things that are needed more now than ever before 
because we are in a generation where there's so much tum'ah, so much impurity, so much pornography, so much filth, so much adultery, so many things that are the opposite of what tradition has been throughout all of history, both for Klal Israel as well as the rest of the world, that if you don't sanctify yourself, you will find yourself in the other side. Because it's just one of those places where you have a time where there's so much tuma out there that if you don't fight it, you'll be infected by it. Hence the reason why it's a perfect timing to discuss Jewish intimacy and why HaKadosh Baruch Hu directed us to this particular series. As uh, was uh, recently highlighted in a, uh, in a video by Rav uh, Chaim Kanievsky, Alava Shalom, where uh, he was asked, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring the coronavirus? And without skipping a beat, Rav Kanievsky says, to make people scared. That's the answer. To make people scared. This is the same thing as what uh, the Gemara says in Masechet Brachot. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make thunder? To make people scared and straighten out their heart. Rav Kanievsky says to make them scared so they learn Torah. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings horrible things to the world, unfortunately, that's the wake-up call. That's what wakes us up. More times than not, the easy things don't wake us up unless it's a special neshama that's able to overcome things. So there are two ways to go in Derech Amelech, as it says in this week's parasha, the, the path of the king. One is the wake-up call from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that hurts, that is a nightmare, that I promise you, you don't want to hear. Or you listen to a shiur Torah like this and you wake up your neshama and realize, I got to do more. Whatever I'm doing, I have to do more. It doesn't matter if I'm religious already for 50 years or I'm newly religious or I'm not religious at all. It doesn't make a difference where I stand. I have to do more to sanctify myself and separate myself from these wicked people like it says in Parashat Korach. So now HaKadosh Baruch Hu has directed us to this series and we've been delving and delving into it and learning more and more about the preparation for intimacy, the mental preparation, the physical preparation, the spiritual preparation, all of these preparations. But tonight, the Ramban is going to start talking about the act itself. And in fact, one of the most critical parts of the act is what are you supposed to think about? Now, naturally... We would think that, oh, think about holy things. Great. What does that mean? It's not so simple. Thinking about holy things, although that sounds like a great answer and you'll get an A on the test if it was as a test in the school. But if the teacher wanted an explanation, more times than not, people will get an F. And the reason why is because most people don't know what is the meaning of holy and even more so, when it's even appropriate to think such things. And with whom? So the Ramban is going to teach us what to think about. If we want to sanctify our marriages, we want to sanctify ourselves, we want to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and separate ourselves from all of these Dora Mabul, the, the generation of the flood generation that we live in, then certainly we need to know what to think about. But... The Ramban already prepared us a couple of weeks ago when he told us that when a man has his marital union with his wife, if his imagination and thoughts 
are occupied with matters of wisdom and understanding good and proper traits then that very imagination undoubtedly has the power to shape the form in the semen as he imagines it when he when he has union in so many words when a person has good thoughts thoughts that are pure thoughts that are holy thoughts that are things that are permissible then he could literally draw he could paint those thoughts into what's coming out of his body that will could eventually and would eventually bring a child to the world and that will actually be you know this baby in so many words where if he thinks of good things of wisdom of torah of mitzvot and the other things we're going to discuss he could literally imprint all of this into the spiritual dna that's coming out of his body and is forming that child and therefore the child that will come out of that is one that will have these traits of course you could always have a little puppy without thinking about anything appropriate thinking about what you saw on tv thinking about what you saw in the streets and you could have another one of these kids that curses his parents calls his parents by first name and even steals stuff from them certainly that's very you don't have to do anything to get one of those but who wants that there are already too many of them perhaps some of them are even leaders of our generation unfortunately so it's important for us to know that these thoughts do matter now what's the torah source for it the ramban continues to say that this is the secret of what it says in the book of genesis sefer bereshit chapter 30 verse 37 and yaakov took rods of fresh poplar hazel and chestnut trees and peeled white stripes in them uncovering and causing to appear the white which is in the rods and it says further in verse 39 and the sheep became heated and conceived at the sight of the rods and the sheep gave birth to ringed speckled and spotted lamps here we see that Yaakov Avinu was dealing with the number one liar in the world Lavan Arami and Lavan as the Torah says changed the uh, uh the deal the salary of uh, Yaakov Avinu over a hundred times and lied about it each and every single time but Yaakov knew there's nothing to complain about not only because Lavan is not going to change anything he's still going to stay a liar he's going to blame Yaakov that's that's the uh the behavior of liars is that they blame everyone for being liars but uh, aside from that he didn't complain to his wives in fact he didn't even tell anything to his wives until it was time to leave as we see from the verses where he says you know he tells his wife finally that he's been cheating them literally he's been quiet about this suffering in silence for 20 years but Yaakov didn't just raise his hands and give up rather he did his ishtadlut what was the ishtadlut he told Levan listen we have a deal that you want me to stay here for more years you want me to stay here no problem I need to make money for my own family I got kids I got wives so let me have any uh of the um any of the sheep that come out with that are speckled checkered that have all types of spots they'll be my salary now i don't know how many of you have actually seen sheep lately but usually they don't come out with uh, checkered and spotted they usually come out white 
or black, but generally speaking, there's no spots. So here Yaakov is saying, listen, I'll get those. Those few, those rare ones, that's going to be my salary. Now, what did Yaakov Avinu do? Later on, we find out that Yaakov Avinu tells his wives that he got this secret from an angel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him, who told him exactly what to do. And this was his ishtadlut, this was his effort. He wasn't going to complain because that's not effort. That's simply something that Hashem hates. You pray to Hashem, that's good. You complain to Hashem, not so good. So Yaakov Avinu takes rods of different types of wood, which is obviously, naturally, dark on the outside, and he slices them a little bit, makes little circles, which exposes the lighter part that's on the inner part of the wood. And he makes these marks, and then he puts them right where the sheep come to drink. And the reason why is because the sheep, when they come to drink, that's where they procreate. And Yaakov Avinu was told by the angel to do this because as soon as the sheep, the female sheep, comes to go drink, the male is going to uh, try to uh, to uh, climb on top of her and she's going to accept it. But how do you influence what kind of fetus comes out of this? What kind of little sheep comes out of this? Based on what she sees. If the female and the male are looking at something, that could influence what they see. Usually, what do they see? They see nothing. They see trees. They see the sky. They see all types of things. Yaakov Avinu wanted to change that. He put these pieces of wood, checkered wood. He put them to have sort of stripes similar to like, uh, the Midrash says, similar to like a, uh, a, a, um, a tiger type of stripes on some of them and circles. You know, having the difference between the dark and the white part of the wood exposed in different ways. And that's what they're going to look at. And the Pasuk says that after he did this, the sheep conceived and gave birth to rings speckled and spotted lamps. It not only worked, he became a multimillionaire as a result of it, where all of a sudden, instead of the typical white sheep that you'd expect, the typical sheep that everyone is, uh, is accustomed to all throughout history, all of a sudden, there's another one, and another one, and another one that is spotted. And as much as Levan tried to change the deals, there's simply no way for him to win because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making sure that this plan works. And says the Ramban, so we see that the nature of the lamb born to those sheep was influenced by seeing the peeled rods in their watering throws. All the more so a human who has intelligence such that he can work things by his thoughts. So here we see that what the sheep sees influences what it comes out of their body. About 800 years ago, around the same time as the Ramban, there was another Rishon, one of the sages of Italy. His name was the Rikanati, Rabbi Menachem Rikanati. And he writes commentary on this, uh, on the Torah. And on this verse here, he says, why is this story even in the Torah? That's the question. Why is the story in the Torah? The reason he gives the answer to teach us 
how to sanctify intimacy as the thoughts and imagination go so does the child or the fetus born from it goes as it says in the Gemara Masechet Nida, page 71a a man must sanctify himself before intimacy because if the animal being the sheep here if the animal can have such an effect based on what it sees even though the animal doesn't have the ability to acquire knowledge and have all types of uh, imagining what is it imagining it's imagining a tree it's imagining a uh, water what is it imagining it's imagining nothing not imagining anything holy but if an animal that is limited can have such a effect on it just simply by what it sees and what goes into their mind which is what it sees and even more so on a man and a woman that do have knowledge that can help them paint an image based on the images of their mind see here we see the the Rikanati in essence repeat what the Ramban says which a few more details where he's telling us the whole purpose of why this story is even in the Torah is to teach us about Jewish intimacy is to teach us about how to bring holy neshamot from the place called goof in shemaim there's a place in shemaim where all of the neshamot are there waiting to come into the world there are some high level neshamot low level neshamot darizal says that there are virtually no new neshamot all of the neshamot that come into the world are reincarnations reincarnations of people that have already been here but did not complete their tikkun now some of them did not complete their tikkun on a very high level some on a low level meaning some could be a very very righteous person that missed an opportunity on a specific mitzvah he didn't teach enough he didn't rebuke enough he didn't uh pray well enough whatever on a very high level but everything else he did extremely well so this is a very high level neshama that comes from the higher level of the uh of the of the goof which also the Arizal explains comes from Adam Rishon. Adam Rishon had all of the neshamot in him and all of these neshamot that come into the world come from different parts of their body the holier the uh, neshama the higher it is placed uh the higher it was in the uh um in the soul of Adam Rishon. uh obviously the, the head being the highest feet being the lowest and more or less most people are coming from the lowest but needless to say there are some that come from other places from higher places and these are tzaddikim these are righteous people that missed out on the few opportunities and have to come back again to complete their tikkun but that's not the average neshama the average neshama is perhaps much lower and then there's lower neshama people that have major sins under their belt they desecrated uh, the uh uh, the Shabbat, uh, not by driving on Shabbat their whole life, but perhaps they desecrated once or twice and did not do tshuva for those couple of times uh, while keeping it for the rest of their life, or they stole some money, or they did all types of other uh, uh, acts that are forbidden, and they had to be reincarnated. Now, then there are people that are completely horrible, people that tortured people, people that uh, murdered people, people that are really terrible people. They also have to be reincarnated. So now, when a person 
is thinking about what kind of baby they want, what kind of baby is going to grow up to be more likely to be the greatest person that will bring their parents the most nachat, they'll bring a kadosh Baruch Hu the most nachat, that will do the best that could possibly be, then certainly everyone will choose the righteous person. No one's going to choose the wicked, nasty criminal. No one wants that guy. No one wants that girl. No one wants the girl that used to be a prostitute. No one wants the guy that used to uh, uh, dance on a stage. No one wants those people. So everybody wants the righteous person. The Rikanati says this is exactly the reason of why this story of Yaakov Avinu making little cuts in the trees before his sheep go to drink, that's why this story is in the Torah. In order to teach you how to pull those special neshamot. And in fact, one of the mikubalim named Rabbi Meir Alfia writes in a Kabbalistic book called Maase Gai Chazon that although the Arizal said that there's no new souls, this is generally speaking because we learn, he says, that there are 30 brand new neshamot, brand new souls per generation. 30 new souls. So when you calculate how many people are born every single year, which is well over 60 million people per year are born every year. So 30 is nothing. And it's not, a generation is not one year. A generation is much more than a year. So 30 is literally almost the equivalent of nothing. But needless to say, who gets those special neshamot? Because those brand new neshamot, they're the greatest of the great. They're the purest. They're sinless. They're the ones that are literally the greatest people of their generation. Now, who gets them? People that know how to bring those special neshamot. In so many words, it all starts here. It all starts with what's on a person's mind when they are intimate. Now, since Akadosh Baruch Hu decreed that the ideal time for a woman to get pregnant is within 24 to 48 hours after she dips in the mikveh. That's how Kadosh Baruch Hu designed the woman's body based on her menstrual cycle after it's completed and she counts the clean days. By the time she goes to the mikveh, so long as she had obviously the right calculation and today it's very easy to calculate. There are even... Uh, applications for smartphones and uh, websites that a woman can uh, uh, help herself to make sure that uh, she's calculating her uh, her days correctly and also knows all of the other days that are forbidden even when she's pure there are certain days that she's still forbidden by her husband uh, based on uh, certainty days but the point being is that family purity is a very important subject and every woman has to be an expert in it in order to make sure that she does not make major mistakes that can cost her a lot and her husband. But even more than that, knowing the details of family purity is also going to help a person bring pure neshamot to the world. And one of the things is that the mikveh night, 
within that 24 to 48 hours of that mikveh night is the ideal time for the couple to be together because that's the most likely time that the body is likely to conceive because of this the Gemara in Masechet Brachot page 28 tells us and that's what the Ramban is bringing here tells us an extraordinary story an extraordinary story that elaborates on the point of the Ramban and the Rikanati based on the teachings of Rabbi Yochanan he says that our blessed sages called our attention to this in the Talmud in the Gemara Masechet Brachot page 28 where Rabbi Yochanan was accustomed to sit at the gates of the mikveh his eyes were looking down and his mind was adhered to the holy Shekhinah and he would say when the daughters of Israel come up from immersing in the mikveh they look at me and have children as handsome as I here is a story that if a person is completely ignorant of Judaism sounds weird sounds awful and your understanding of the story at face value is going to be based is going to let you know how pure your mind is if your mind is for full of filth you're automatically going to think that bad things about Rabbi Yochanan you're going to compare him to all of the uh, 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 rapists and, and, and horrible people that you've heard about in the news and in the video games and in the movies that's what you're going to think about the filthier your mind is the more you're going to compare this holy tzaddik this tana to those people the cleaner your mind the more you're going to start looking for whoa he's over there why is he over there that's where the women are what is he doing to help those women that is taking time out of his day taking time out of his torah do he's doing chesed for them why what do i need to learn from this it says the ramban consider well at the great insight of this holy chassid rabbi yochanan who knew that when a woman who comes up from her immersion in the mikveh thinks of his beauty wisdom and righteousness and then unites with our husband that thought which is in her imagination will shape the form of the child that will be born according to her imagination and he did as he did in order to increase the number of chachamim of wise men in, in israel so here we see what the pure torah is telling us here about its holy soldiers its tzaddikim its chassidim rabbi yochanan would sit in the opening of the mikveh where women are coming in and leaving not next to the pool itself but you know in the door area and each time a woman is entering leaving she sees him and he was one of the beautiful people of Yerushalayim not just because of the natural uh, uh, physical beauty that Hashem instilled in him but rather because 
his neshama was so pure and holy that it affected his body and made his body shine made his body more beautiful beauty to the extent that it would literally light up the room when he would raise up his sleeve of his hand in a dark room the whole room would light they had a certain complexion on their screen on their uh, on their uh, skin that would literally bring light that's how beautiful they were so <clears throat> what we have here is Rabbi Yochanan <clears throat> in his purity he knows that to sanctify yourself is not simple but if you can get a head start sort of a, a head start by already coming to the world with a certain level of sanctity certainly you could develop that build on top of that and reach even new heights that will bring you more happiness your parents your future spouse but more than anything else it will bring nachat to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. so what Rabbi Yochanan wanted to do is to make sure that there's more of these types of people coming to the world more of these neshamot and he took advantage of the gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him this natural beauty wasn't enough he had to purify himself sanctify himself to the point where that sanctity from his uh from his uh neshama actually affected his body and made him even more beautiful than what he naturally was already and he used that tool in order to help not israel the daughters of israel bring more beautiful people to the world not just more beautiful as far as physically beautiful but more beautiful as far as better character traits better neshamot higher level neshamot because when they're looking at the tzaddik tzaddik is looking down he's not looking at the woman as as the gemara says he's looking down but he has all of the kavanot he's thinking about different names of a kadosh baruchu and connecting doing kavanot which is connecting different letters of the sfata kodesh of the holy language in a certain level of uh focus completely foreign to us he's connecting he's doing these kavanot he's thinking about the shechina in so many words he is glued he's cleaving to akadosh baruchu so while they're looking at him they're not just uh, you know benefiting from the physical beauty they're also benefiting from the state of holiness that he find that he's in this for anyone who uh, has the uh, book that we have in our Kiruv package it's uh, called uh, science comes of age or anyone that wants to get it online it's called um, the um, the coming revolution by Rabbi Zamir Cohen over there there are pictures that uh, somebody took a uh, of uh, of people of righteous people and regular people and it was a special camera that uh, gave uh, the colors of the aura and when you see the colors of the aura of Arav Mordechai Eliyahu Alava Shalom and you see that his natural state was literally an aura that's almost like an angel his natural state when he had certain kavanot of the having the talit on 
It was literally like something out of this world. Something that a regular person could only even have a chance to do if he is has tefillin on and he's thinking and he's praying and he actually actually exert a lot of effort and still not even get to that level. The point is that when a person has these kavanot, when he's thinking about a kadosh bohu, and he knows how to do uh, how to unify specific letters, he's literally cleaving himself his neshama to the source to the shechina. So these bnot Israel, these daughters of Israel that are walking by to go to the mikveh to go back home to their husbands are benefiting from this because they will now have an image in their mind of this holy tzaddik this holy chassid as the ramban calls him in their mind when they are together with their husband and he says this is the perfect thought to have during that act of intimacy and this is exactly was the plan of Rabbi Yochanan in order to increase the quality of neshamot coming to this world to be on the higher level and therefore leading to more chachamim more wise people coming to Am Yisrael and so it is shown says the Ramban that the imaginations pondering and thoughts have great influence in the shaping of the fetus and its features as we have explained so when a woman has these types of thoughts in our mind that's going to affect what's going to happen inside our body and since this is so says the ramban that the thought causes the child to be righteous or wicked as per the imagination of the parents at the time of conception then surely every man must cleanse his thoughts and ponderings and refine them during the union and not think of sins or any type of impure lusts rather one should think only of holy things and think of the holy righteous sages the men of holy knowledge and wisdom so here we see that the Ramban gives us clear instructions what should one think about ideally emphasize the word ideally one should think about the holy sages of the previous generation you don't have to have a picture of them you have thoughts of who they were thoughts of Moshe Rabbeinu thoughts of Aaron Akoyen thoughts of the Rambam thoughts of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai thoughts of Rabbi Akiva and how great they were how holy they were how they served the Kadosh Baruch Hu. thoughts of Rabbi Yochanan different thoughts about these holy sages that's the ideal that's the ideal place that a person's mind needs to be thoughts of serving a kadosh baruch Hu. thoughts of bringing a holy neshama into the world that can serve hashem at the highest possible level thoughts of the chesed that a kadosh baruch Hu has done for you how much amazing 
things Hashem has given you each and every single day many times before you even realize that you're getting the gift you already got it in fact the beautiful part of the Torah is that it's not only interesting it's not only something that's going to help you go to heaven and fulfill the will of Hashem but it's literally the source of all good the source of all good all pleasures that you can possibly feel or want to feel can be acquired through the Torah so when a person thinks about this kindness that HaKadosh who gave us where he literally removed us from all of this this deformed people deformed nations deformed thought processes even if they come from within us and gave us clear instructions for the ultimate good in this world and the next think about that think about how much you love Hashem think about all of these holy sages and how they served Hashem and how much they loved Hashem how much they feared Hashem have thoughts of these things that's the ideal now the same token the Ramban says make sure not to have inappropriate thoughts now if the Ramban was alive today he may write don't think about anything at all why because there's so much filth in the world today that a average person encounters on television on his phone on his computer on the highway in the streets at work at the coffee shop there's so much filth and disgusting things that are out there immodesty immorality adultery filthy disgusting behavior by people in general uh, all of the just horrible things that are out there mamash some people are just disgusting the way that they carry themselves the way they bring like themselves into society a person has to know that this is the world now and know that this is not the only risk in fact the riskiest are not those people the riskiest are the people that pretend to be good the ones like the mervises of the world the menaces of the world all of these reshaim that have a face that looks like a righteous person a face that looks like a person that is representing God but in reality anyone that hears their words knows that their their lips are saying things that are good about Hashem perhaps but their hearts are far away from him their hearts are far away from him because if you understand what they're saying you realize that their hearts are far away from them now they are much more dangerous and even more so the different deformed people in society 
preaching all types of things that are an abomination an abomination things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says are disgusting and they're preaching it as if this is good they've turned the good into evil and the evil into good they're unfortunately teaching children today they're cho- teaching adults today they're teaching consumers today they're making all types of toys they're making all types of cartoons all types of books literally they're infiltrating the world with their tuma so the average person that's in this world there's no way you could simply run away from this so as i said had the ramban been alive today he would simply tell you to think about absolutely nothing why and this is again this is just my thought because in a generation full of so much filth thinking about nothing is already considered holy there's so much filth that a person encounters every single day if you could get yourself to like a status quo of not thinking about anything of that part you're already in a good stage but the reality is no one can think about nothing there's always a thought and therefore even more responsibility and obligation on us that we have to make sure that we prepare ourselves to think about something holy because if we do not prepare ourselves to think about something holy what's going to end up happening is that we will think about things that are unholy at the worst possible time at the time that we are painting a spiritual dna into a child that's going to come into the world in so many words who gave us the ability to create not just physically but even spiritually where in this place go, called goof that i told you about where all the neshamot are that time of conception is when your neshama and your spouse's neshama are both going to this spiritual supermarket and selecting which neshama you want if you're thinking about some girl you saw in the office you're thinking from the garbage pail section of the neshamot you're thinking about where they lost and found or the stuff that's an eye pretty much never sold now no one really wants to buy it unless it's a uh a uh steel that's where you're picking the neshama from you're thinking about some guy that said hello to you you're picking the neshama from the discount department the part where not a good place you think about holy things you're already at the high priced items and you could afford all of it all based on your thoughts so at that moment of conception the father and the mother are in this spiritual walmart the spiritual supermarket picking the neshama the price your thoughts what are you thinking about are you thinking holy things or filthy things this was even known to the goyim to a certain extent at the time of the destruction of the bet mikdash the Gemara in Maseret Gitin, page 58a, brings a verse. Brings a verse from Echa. 
Lamentations, chapter 4, verse 2. Says, Bnetzion Ayakarim, Amesulaim Babaz, the precious children of Zion who are comparable to fine gold. But this is not just regular gold, this is gold called Paz. Comes the Gemara and says, What is this? Am Israel Bnetzion, also called Bnetzion, are more precious than uh, than Paz, more beautiful than Paz, more beautiful than this gold. What does that mean? Comes Rabbi Shilai and he says that Akadosh Baruch Hu made Am Israel in that generation so beautiful, especially the ones that were the people of Yerushalayim, Benetzion. They were so beautiful that their skin was shining. No one can deny their beauty. They were absolutely something out of this world. People would think they're from a different planet. And therefore the Gemara says, the evil Romans would take young children, young Jewish children that were these beautiful kids, and they would tie them, tie a few of them next to the bed while they are intimate with their wives and looking having the wife look at these kids the husband is looking at these kids because they know that if they look at them it'll affect what kind of baby comes from them they wanted to have that physical beauty now the Gemara goes further and says during one of these horrific horrific things that happened a couple of kids are tied up this disgusting act is happening with the romans and one jewish kid says to the other and these are kids these are like younger than bar mitzvah kids just see how smart they were already at that time and one says to the other i know that everything that's happening to us destruction of the Bet Migdash, the, uh, the, the, the murders the, all the horrible things the hunger all of that is written in the Torah but where is this punishment where is this curse mentioned in the Torah where is this curse mentioned in the Torah he says to the other and the other child says to him of course it's mentioned in the Torah it's mentioned in Pashat Kitavo. It's mentioned Pashat Kitavo. Oh, I see that Facebook is back. Let's see. Ah, uh, no, I don't think that's. Yeah, well, I can act that. Now, he says this is mentioned in the Torah in Parashat Kitavo, where in a um, chapter 28, verse 61, where Kadosh Bokhu says, Gam kol choli ve kol maka, asher lo katub basefer ha-Torah azot, yaalem Adonai alecha ad ishamdecha. Translation. After he tells us about all of the curses, all of the punishments that would happen if we don't follow the Torah, 
He gives specifics of the different plagues and pains and war and famine and all types of horrible things. The last curse here, he says, verse 61 in chapter 28, even any illness and any blow that is not written in this book of the Torah, Hashem will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Here is the worst of all the curses. The worst of all the curses. Why? HaKadosh Baruch is saying, in case you think that I, uh, you have some type of illness that uh, I didn't think about or I didn't mention. No, everything is mentioned. In fact, the punishments are not just going to be the ones that I mentioned specifically in the Torah, but everything that will happen that's going to be part of that punishment. Meaning it's not just the the uh, the Tchorim and the uh, Kadachat and all of these horrible diseases. No, no. Other things. Coronavirus, AIDS, cancer, you know, all of these horrible things that happen. All types of plagues, all types of famines, all types of horrible things. Kadosh says, yeah, those two. In so many words, there's an unlimited amount of ways for Kadosh Baruch Hu to punish those who choose not to follow him. Hashem says, all of them are at my disposal. Once you go against me, I'll use any one of them, if not all of them, until I destroy you. Now, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised us, and he says it in that same uh, parasha, that he's not going to destroy everyone completely. Uh, Am Yisrael is, is forever, but the wicked will be destroyed. So, here these two young kids, they've suffered seeing the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. They've suffered seeing their parents murdered. They've suffered hunger. They've suffered homelessness. They've suffered a lot of things. Now they're suffering simply being used as dolls to arouse people to arouse these filthy enemy, to bring them good-looking kids, and saying, where is this curse? The curse is also in the Torah. The curse is also in the Torah. Now, The Rabban is telling us that we have to make sure that all of these inappropriate thoughts, they're not only forbidden for you to have, but they're forbidden times a million to have them during a time of intimacy. Now, I know in society today that we've already mentioned a couple of times is deformed and is teaching things that are opposite of the Torah, People literally teach couples what they call therapy, which is to think about other people. In so many words, according to the Torah, according to actually Rabbi Yochanan, 
He says that a woman that thinks about another man while she's intimate with her husband, he paskins that it's a mamzel. The kid is not considered as if he's her husband's child. He's considered like as if she cheated on him. Even though physically she was with her husband, she thought about somebody else. He says he considers that she's a mamzel. The kid's a mamzel. If he thinks about a different woman when he's with his wife, kid's a mamzel. Now, of course, we don't pass in halacha like that. But there's obviously a bet din in Shemaim that agrees. In fact, anyone that is has a little bit of purity in their mind would also agree with such a thing because adultery doesn't just simply start with the bodies. Adultery starts in the mind. Where first a person decides that whatever he has, whatever she has, is not good enough. And in fact, one of the things that reminds them that whatever they have is not good enough is by looking at somebody else that's not theirs. Somebody else's husband. Somebody else's wife. Somebody recently told me, yeah, listen, you know, the, uh, my, uh, my friend's wife, she's beautiful. I would love to marry a woman like that. What? Why are you looking at your friend's wife? Why are you looking at your friend's wife? Because in today's society, people are so far away from the truth, they literally befriend each other's wives and husbands. Hence the reason why adultery is skyrocketing more in this generation than any other time in history. The divorce rate in our generation is more than all of history combined. Because people don't know how to set boundaries. They have no concept of what's allowed, what's not allowed. And when a woman allows herself to see things that she's not allowed to, when a man allows himself to see things that they're not allowed to, they start imagining themselves in that position. First, they are not completely satisfied with what they have. Then they start being reminded of this lack of satisfaction by looking at things that don't belong to them, things that many times belong to other people, things that are something they should stay away from, in fact, the more distant it is, the more hard to get it is, the more they want it. And they start fantasizing about these forbidden things. As Shlomo Medach says, stolen water are sweeter. So now, even if they don't act on it, physically, their mind is. And many times when they are together with their loved one, their spouse, the one that committed their life to them, they're thinking about somebody else. They're thinking about this other person they'd rather be with. They're thinking about all types of things, just not this person that's together with them, that's married to them, that's uniting with them. That's already a certain level of adultery that began. Eventually, this type of psychological or mental 
adultery eventually culminates with physical adultery adultery begins with the mind an unclean mind is committing adultery on a regular basis a husband that watches pornography is a husband that will do everything that he sees in those movies with anybody in the world except his wife he's cheating on his wife on a regular basis but since he doesn't have the physical opportunity to do it he doesn't do it it's not that he's loyal to his wife because he loves her he's loyal to his wife because those filthy pigs that he sees on a screen are not available to him but had they approach him had they give him the opportunity in a second he would abandon his wife literally in open daylight why because in his mind he's already there the same goes with the woman she watches all of these tv shows all of these soap operas all of these love stories these filthy books that they read she's thinking about oh he loves her oh he's so nice to her oh he's so handsome oh he's so this oh he's so that guess what she is committing adultery on a regular basis now the reason why she's not committing physical adultery is not because she loves her husband not because she loves her kids not because they're loyal to each other no it has nothing to do with that simply put the opportunity hasn't been open yet all she has available to her is her mind but had the opportunity opened up and all of a sudden she finds herself in a room alone with this other person or persons don't think for a moment that she would stop and go back to her husband and say i love you not even for a second why she's been committing adultery the whole time hence the reason why the ramban before he told us that we have to get to a point of thinking pure thoughts we had a whole preparation of purifying our mind purifying our actions purifying our neshama the whole preparation to get to here why because if you didn't do any of the parts in the first 29 lectures of this series certainly you will not achieve any success in this one because to have a pure mind is not just something that happens just like adultery doesn't just happen it's all based on the preparation as the Gemara in Masechet Avodah says a person should be careful of what he sees during a day lest he see evil at night if he sees things during a day that are forbidden he will end up wasting seed at night needless to say the same concept goes for a woman if she allows herself to watch all types of things that are forbidden she watches all types of hollywood films she goes to all types of forbidden stores to see all types of immodest clothes she looks at all types of immodest women not just men with she looks at other immodest women with admiration guess what she is vicariously living through these immodest women and her mind is little by little becoming more tainted as she admires them more and more so here the ramban is telling us 
do not think of sin do not think of any type of impure lust it will not bring you any good so now naturally we say oh it's finished right okay so think about the great sages don't think about pornography and all types of other filth and you'll have tzaddikim uh yeah if you stay married why this is not for everybody even if it's for you it doesn't mean it's for your spouse hence the reason why the ramban continues and says rather one should think only of holy things and think of the holy righteous ones men of holy knowledge and wisdom so it is fitting that he must calm his wife's mind make her happy with joyous words that delight the heart so that she shall draw shall be drawn to him with holy and pure thoughts for by the pure and the clean love they will have for each other at the time of their union so will be the brilliance and the intelligence of the child see here the ramban is telling you within inside you know between the lines you can't just expect your wife i.e your husband or uh, your husband i should say not i.e to simply be on the same level as you you've been watching all of these lectures you're looking to purify yourself your spouse hasn't been watching these lectures your spouse to the best of their knowledge intimacy is has a holy uh, uh, endeavor which is to bring babies holy babies not holy babies that's up to god what's uh, what does he have to have in his mind what does she have to have on our mind nothing just do what you have to do and as long as you do it everything's okay no matter what you have on your mind in so many words the average person out there thinks that as long as you don't act on the lustful thoughts that you have in your mind however inappropriate they are you're not cheating you're not committing adultery you're not doing anything wrong it's only in your mind oh no we don't we don't cheat on each other we think about this we think about that we watch this we watch that but we're committed and loyal to each other for now so you have been watching you have been learning and you want to sanctify yourself your spouse has no idea what you're talking about you tell your spouse listen uh, i'm gonna think about holy sages if you're a guy your, your wife's gonna ask her honey are you okay are you uh, lgbtq or what, what do you mean holy sages what's wrong with you if it's if you're a woman and you tell your husband listen honey i'm gonna think about holy sages on uh, on uh dirt he's like whoa you cheating on me now what are you thinking about the rabbi what are you thinking about so if your spouse has never heard any of these lectures they have no idea what you're talking about to them thinking about anything is perfectly fine as long as it's not about something that conflicts with their ideology so now if you tell your wife honey i want you to think about holy sages she's not really gonna know what the hell you're talking about in fact she may not even want to be intimate with you after you say such a thing hence the reason why the ramban is saying 
make her happy. Calm her mind. Make her happy with joyous words. Delight her heart. Meaning, you have to entice her. You have to make sure she's happy. Because the happier she is, the more she feels your love, before, during, after, the more she will be inclined to unify her mind and be where your mind is and where you want it to be. But if you think that they're simply going to do it just because you said so, you haven't learned anything. In fact, you have to make sure that whatever you're doing is not ruining it for them because the act itself is supposed to be pleasurable, not just physically, but mentally. So if you're thinking that, oh yeah, I'm going to sanctify my mind, I'm going to think about all types of holy things, but your wife is still on first grade. She has no idea what you're talking about, this holy thing. She's thinking about, honey, I love you, I love you, I want you to tell me you love me. I want you to tell me I'm pretty. I want you to tell me that I'm the best. And you're one of these people, like, what do you mean the best? What do you mean I love you? Come on, I'm thinking about Rabbi Shimon Yochai here. I'm thinking about the Shekhinah. You're a chamol. Not Shekhinah. You're thinking about, you're a chamol, you're a donkey. Why? You have to make sure she's happy. Which means, stay in your lane together with her. Now sometimes, guys are very stingy but not with money, with words, with compliments. They simply don't know how to give compliments or their compliments have like anniversary dates because they only give them once in a blue moon. If you want to have a happy marriage, whatever you do as far as good deeds, as far as mitzvot, as far as tzedakah, should be nothing in comparison to the amount of compliments you give your wife. Literally, every other word, every other time you see your wife, you should have something of a compliment. Oh, you look pretty. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love the food. Oh, I like your shoes. Oh, constant compliments. Literally, a sea of compliments. And guess what? You're going to say, wait, but she's going to, oh, it's fake. I don't really like those shoes. I don't really care about her bag. Guess what? Even if she knows it's fake, she doesn't care. She likes to hear it. Why? She's a woman. If her husband is telling her nice things, that's the greatest gift in the world. That's like the Shekhinah just appeared at our house. But you, Mr. Stingy, not with money. You want to buy her a brand new $3,000 bag. Not with money. You want to buy her a brand new $150,000 car. Now with money, you're willing to buy her another vacation house you're only going to visit once in our life. You're willing. But that's not what she's looking for. If you would have given her the compliments that she wanted, she wouldn't need that second house. She wouldn't need all the extra jewelry. She wouldn't need 50,000 pairs of shoes. Or maybe she would because they like shoes. But literally, many times women chase after material in order to replace emotional deficiencies if she gets the 
compliments from you, the affection from you, the hugs, the kisses, the, the, the I love yous, then guess what? She will think whatever you want her to think. She'll be as happy as ever thinking about it and purify her mind. Why? She knows you're with her and not with some other woman because you're constantly complimenting her. You're constantly telling her how beautiful she is. But if you're one of those people that you're waiting for an anniversary, you're waiting for a birthday, you're waiting for Shabbat once a week to compliment your, your wife, you, my friend, are closer to being a donkey than a holy person. In fact, the donkey has more sanctity than you because the donkey is used for holy things even if it doesn't say compliment to its uh, wife donkey. Because in order to achieve holiness, a person has to understand everything, every Torah that you learned before you got married is equivalent to almost nothing in comparison to the Torah you learn and practice after you're married. That's in the Gemara. And when a person understands that he needs his wife in order to elevate himself, he can't just do it by himself. You can learn Gemara 24 hours a day. If your wife's not with you, you got a problem. Your neshama is missing a piece. You can learn the Zohar. You can learn Yokut Yosef. You can learn Shukhan Uch. You can learn Yabiyah Omer, the Rambam. You can learn the Ran, the, the Ritva. You can learn all the Puskim. You can, if your wife's not with you, you got a serious problem. Why? Your neshama is missing a piece. If your wife feels that you simply don't care about her, Last time you told her she's pretty was when you got married. Last time you told her that you love her was when you were in a hospital bed with some morphine in your, in your veins because of how much pain you were in. Last time you told her that she's the number one thing in your life was in her dreams because it never happened in reality. You reaching holiness is literally as likely as one of these LGBTQs giving birth to a human being. So a person has to understand that you have to go together. It's a package deal. Now that means that even though you've watched all of 30 of these lectures, and you're going to watch more, always remember today, you got to go up together. Which means... If she wants you to tell her that she's beautiful during a time of union, that's what you say. If she wants you to tell her you she wants you to tell her all types of compliments, that's what you do. Why? Make her happy. This doesn't negate your ability to think of holy things. And you say, yeah, but I can think of holy things better if she I don't say those things. Yeah, but then you'll end up either being alone or making her miserable, which both, again, defeat the purpose. So how do I get her to join me? Says the Ramban. Make her happy with joyous words to delight the heart so that she shall be drawn to him with holy and pure thoughts. For by the pure and clean love they will have for each other at the time of their union so will the brilliance and the intelligence of the child. So here the Ramban is giving us the secret where he's telling us the more she feels your love, 
the purer our mind is going to be. In fact, the Rav uh, Kordovil uh, writes in the Pardes Rimonim that the reason why the Gemara in Maseret Psachim, page 49, says that a person should always marry the daughter of a Talmit Chacham. If you want to pick a wife, don't pick her because she's the most beautiful, the most rich. Pick her based on where she comes from. So choice number one, daughter of a Talmit Chacham. That's choice number one. Choice, if you don't have the ability to find a daughter of a Talmit Chacham, then marry the daughter of someone that collects staka for the community. Someone that goes and collects staka to, to raise money for, for, for a building, to, for yeshivot, for the orphans, for the, uh, to feed the poor. Marry his daughter. Marry his daughter. If you can. But if you can't, you don't have anybody like that that is willing to give you his daughter, then marry somebody. It's a kosher gabai. Cleans the shul. Is a good uh, uh, a leader. Brings kedusha together. Arranges shulim. Do that. Gabai kasher. But says the Gemara, under no condition should you marry the daughter of an amaritz. Don't marry a daughter of somebody that's an ignoramus. Do not under any condition. Why? Because what did she learn from her father? Nothing. And that's actually one of the things that Rabbi Meir Eliyahu says that if you want to know how your wife is going to be, look at how she is with her parents. If she respects her parents, she honors her parents, she's polite with her parents, she'll be with you. But if she's one of those, she curses her parents out, she yells at them, she curses at them, she is disrespectful to them, all of that and more will be done to you. Why? That's what she learned. So it says the Pardes Rimonim. Why Talmit Chacham? Why marry the daughter of a Talmit Chacham? Because that daughter of a Talmit Chacham will know how to have pure thoughts at the time of intimacy because she learned purity at a holy home. What did she learn? She didn't learn gossip. She didn't learn Oprah Winfrey. She didn't learn the uh, the new uh, reality show. She didn't learn TikTok and Facebook. What did she learn? She learned Torah. She learned Midrashim. She learned Sipuret Sadikim. She learned good things. If she learned those good things, that's what she'll be thinking at the time of intimacy. That's the type of girl that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is comfortable giving a holy neshama, a new neshama too. In fact, when a person realizes that they have to do everything possible to make their wife happy, not just before, but also during and after, the more they realize that this is a full-time job. But that's why the reward is so great. In fact, the Gemara in Masechet Eruvin, page 100, says, Rabbi Yochanan says, Same Rabbi Yochanan, we've been with all day. We've been learning Chavruta with Rabbi Yochanan today. Rabbi Yochanan says, Had the Torah not been given, we would have learned modesty from the cat, 
not to commit theft from the ant, not to commit adultery from the dove, and proper manners of conduct for marital relations from the rooster, which first appeases its mate and then has relations with it. So says Rabbi Yochanan, if it wasn't for the Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu already has all of the teachings within his creation in order for us to know how he wants us to behave. Modesty we'd learn from a cat because a cat doesn't defecate next to anyone and also after he does or she does, the cat covers it, showing modesty. Hence the reason a woman must always be modest, a man must always be modest. Also, learn honesty from the ant. The ant works in such a fashion where it's very, very ambitious, but also it's very honest, where it never steals from anybody. The ant doesn't steal from any other ants. Once another ant touches another food, no other ant will touch it. The dove will teach us how not to commit adultery because the dove is one of the creations that's most amazing where the dove mates only with one other dove their whole life it doesn't go and changes a mate every other day like some of the other animals and then the Gemara says that we would learn the proper manners of conduct for marital relations for intimacy from the rooster how because the rooster first appeases its mate and then has relations. So the Gemara asks Rabbi Yochanan, how does the rooster appease its mate? So actually Rav Yudah, Rav Yudah answers the name of Rav and says the rooster, we understand the rooster language. Why? Because the Chachamim, they knew all the languages, including the language of the animals. The rooster tells the woman rooster, Mrs. Rooster, the chicken, I'll buy you a coat that's going to reach down from your head to your feet. I'll buy you a fancy coat. And after the rooster, she likes what she hears, he's going to buy her something. He's giving her compliments. She gives herself after mating. The rooster says to her, may the crest of my uh, head, you know, the, uh, he's talking about himself, but the, his, his uh, manhood is his, uh, what's on top of his head. May the crest of my head be cut off if I don't buy you as soon as I have the money to do it. Meaning right now, I don't have the money to do it. But if as soon as I get the money to do it, I'll buy you whatever you want. So says the Gemara, this is the right way to behave. Where a man has to know that the wife is not a baby oven, nor is she a place for you to simply relieve yourself. And if you want to have a healthy relationship, and you want to have a relationship that lasts, and you want to have a happy relationship, then you have to make sure you become 
much, much more generous than you are when it comes to compliments. All the time. Not just during intimacy. Because, as we said, you practice, you, you play the way you practice. If you're constantly generous with compliments, it's going to be easy and natural for you to do it at the most op, you know, important times, right before and during the intimacy. But if you're one of those people that is, like we said, one that's waiting for an anniversary to happen in order for you to give a compliment, as if you just gave her a house, you know, keys to a house, then guess what? You're also going to be one of those rare people that doesn't give a compliment even during that time. And when he does, it's like the worst compliment in the world. Oh yeah, you remind me of this really beautiful girl I saw. What? Who? What? That's the way you're going to be. Why? Because you're so retarded when it comes to giving compliments, you don't even know how to do it. So, learn from the rooster. The rooster compliments constantly. Gives gifts. Is generous. That is what is necessary. That is what is necessary. Had it not been necessary, it wouldn't be written as a critical part of the oral Torah. It wouldn't be written within creation as a place for us to learn from the creation itself. In fact, Rabotai, if a person only thinks about themselves and how they want to do what they want to do without thinking about their spouse, thinking that they can achieve holiness by themselves, then sometimes they could be further from holiness than even their spouse. Well, there are sometimes people that either they send a message or they make a silly comment online, and sometimes it's just, I scratch my head and I'm wondering, like, how do these people know how to, you know, get dressed in the morning? Some of the things that they say are truly ridiculous. But I know that the Yetzirah fools a person into thinking that the most ridiculous things that they're doing are actually good. I'll give you a couple of examples. A person comes and he uh, starts asking questions about how it's really important to be particular about honoring Shabbat and eating the three meals and making sure that you all also keep Rabbeinu Tam. Oh, great. That all sounds good. And how he does it, and he's been particular about this already for many years, so far so good. Until you know or you find out that as holy as his Shabbat looks, he's really more like Esav than he is Yaakov. Because all he's doing is making himself feel good for the constant sin that he's making by being married to a non-Jewish woman. Or making herself feel good for being married to a non-Jewish man. Well, they figure, I'm doing this mitzvah so good, so, you know, it's good, right? No. You have to fix the tragedy in your house and stop pretending like you're a lot more righteous than what you are similar to what Esav was doing how he was like arguing with the rabbi arguing with Yitzchak saying 
How much maaser should I give? Should I give maaser on the salt? Should I give maaser? What maaser on the salt? You just murdered somebody. What Shabbat? You're married to a non-Jew. What? What are you talking about? You have to fix the problems. I'm not saying don't do mitzvot. What I'm saying is stop pretending you're something that you're not. Especially when the violations that some people are making are so obvious that it makes everybody else confused that if whether you're sane or not so don't be one of these people where you're so focused on pretending to be somebody else that you forget who you need to be some people pretend to be their rabbi other people pretend to be some tzaddik that died 500 years ago other people pretend to be different things don't pretend know where you stand and more importantly also know where your spouse stands and try to go up together try to grow together have patience for them have confidence in them pray for them ask for them do whatever you can to go up together and don't think that if you're doing really good that's sufficient it's not sufficient one of the things that I really dislike I know that a lot of people do it but I dislike it is they pretend to be all types of people and one of the ways they pretend is that they have like their screen names as you know like on Facebook and other types of social medias that is, is not you know it's, doesn't require you to have a real name so they'll call themselves Baba Sali or something like you're not the Baba Sali like why are you calling it why is your screen name Baba Sali whatever your name is your name be proud of who you are and if you're not proud of who you are then do something to make yourself proud of who you are don't try to be something that you're not be better at wherever you are focus on wherever you are and then bring up your spouse along with you now how do I know that I'm right because Akadosh Baruch Hu just gifted me a gift now Baruch Hashem Akadosh Baruch Hu has gifted me this gift a few times but I have a gift special gift where I know right now this moment in the world one of the most righteous people on planet earth they don't even know that they're righteous but I have a source in the Gemara that says so and Baruch Hashem, I know a few of those. And they also don't know how righteous they are. I'll tell you a story. Without mentioning names, because I didn't get permission to mention names. But I'm sure that at some point that will come out from them. But some time ago, a person that's been watching my shooting for a long time writes me a letter. And they say. I've been following your lectures for many years, particularly the ones relating to issues of morality. And he says, my wife and I have two children. She doesn't want any more kids, citing financial and personal reasons. She also doesn't want to use any kosher methods of contraception, which leads us to waste seed. 
and uh, nothing seems to work as far as changing her. It's been going on for years, and I don't know what to do. As far as her going to the mikveh, she goes to the mikveh only when he's on top of her and insists that she goes. But she doesn't really see any benefits in it. The home is kosher as far as food, but she doesn't even keep Shabbat. She drives to Shabbat, she's on the phone, while I'm, on, I'm in shul with my son. What should I do? The guy was on the borderline of divorce. He's miserable, she's miserable, I'm sure the kids are miserable. Misery. But he didn't want to give up. He didn't want to give up. But it's tough. He's watching lectures. He's learning more. He's doing more. And his spouse, his wife, is doing the exact opposite. She cares less about everything. She doesn't keep Shabbat. Barely even keeps family purity. Cares less about kosher intimacy. What's this guy going to do? I write him an email. Giving him some guidance. They tell him what he's saying to me doesn't sound like marriage, but rather a relationship out of convenience. Whether you want to divorce her or not, it won't last if it continues this way, since the sinful behavior grows over time and gets worse. I would recommend that you sit down with her and request that she live a religious life with you as you dedicate time to learn with her each day 15 minutes to one hour per day is a great start and if she doesn't want to change then it simply means she doesn't want to be married because even if she doesn't like the laws people that love each other make compromises all the time in order to make each other happy if she's uninterested in that then she is interested in something that is not in this marriage and lastly I would recommend that you watch these two videos together with you from the start to finish after you're done let me know what she has to say. I gave him recommendation of a couple of videos. One of them was the story of my personal life. And I sent the email after praying a little bit that it works. Some time passed. I didn't hear anything. And with my busy schedule, I don't really remember every single thing that I do. So usually I, I depend on people getting in touch with me to let me know. Several months passed, and he finally responds to me, or he sends me a message back. He says the following, Hi Rabbi, first and foremost, thank you for the answer. Second, I wanted to five you an update since you wrote me a few months ago. My wife watched your movie, Hashem Took Back His Millions. And since then, things have changed dramatically. She now go, agrees to observe all family purity laws, as well as 
entertaining kosher marital relationships, meaning to, for, for the sake of Jewish intimacy. She keeps, she keeps now a strictly kosher kitchen, bakes challah every week. She insists on enrolling the kids in a strictly orthodox schools. And she has even become an advocate to her friends, telling her secular friends that their husbands need to put on tefillin every day, observe Shabbat, and put on mezuzah on their doors. This is a drastic change for someone who has been fighting me for years on religion and who initially grew up in a secular household. He said, two years ago, I told you about my marital situation. My wife wanted to divorce because of my tshuva. Fast forward two years, things have changed for the better. This is nothing short of a miracle. And I pray that it continues to grow in this direction. I keep sending her your shurim, and we love the daily short clips you publish. And the new program you featured with your student Moshe is terrific. Thank you. And what does this have to do with the most righteous person? My response. And I know this may shock some of you, but this is what the response is. Baruch Hashem, it's absolutely amazing. Please tell your wife that she is a hero, no less than the great matriarchs for overcoming the Yetzirah that was trying to destroy her and your whole family. Bezat Hashem, you will continue to grow in Torah, Mitzvot, Chesed, Kiruv, and see more open miracles when needed on a regular basis. Thank you for giving me this wonderful news. Please do continue to send me updates and any questions needed. Bezat Hashem, a windfall of blessings will continue coming to your home to the point where everyone you will know, everyone you know will see the Kiddush Hashem and do Tshuva as well. Bezat Hashem, we can one day have you on the podcast as well. Baruch Hashem, truly miraculous news requires me to read Tehillim number 100. And then I send another mail. The point being is, the comment of saying that she's a hero no less than the matriarchs may shock some people. But the Gemara says in multiple places, one of them being a Masech Bachot, in a place that Baalei Tshuva stand, even Tzadikim Murim don't stand. A woman that was fighting family purity, the very foundation of Judaism. A woman who was fighting the basics means this woman had a very big Yetzirah. After using one of Akadosh Bahu's tools of this generation, which is my personal life story, to spark up this Neshama, Akadosh Bahu showed us how great this woman really is, how great this family is, and how many wonderful things are going to be coming to the world as a result of this one family. Why? Because as you can see, it's not just, okay, you know what, I watched the movie, fine, fine, okay, you know what, I'll eat kosher. No, no, no. Right away, this person realizes the truth, it becomes like a fire. A fire of Kedusha. Once I know it's true, I'm taking on everything. Family purity, kosher intimacy, kiruv, 
kosher schools, orthodox schools, everything. And this is literally, seems like overnight, but it's not. That neshama. The Zohar Kadosh says that there are certain neshamot that are held hostage by the Satan. If they release themselves, they have the greatest potential. David Melech was one of them. Yitro was one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, um, Rabbi Akiva was one of them. Some of the greatest people in history were one of them. When a person sees the truth and that spark lights up like that, it's a big deal. People that do tshuva in this fashion, like some of the people that I deal with, that I talk to, that I have a privilege to spark them up a little bit to get them to become who they really are. These are the most righteous people in the world. These are the most extraordinary people in the world. And you, you, every one of you, has the same exact opportunity to be the same. But it all starts with what's on your mind. If you allow your mind to consume filth, you will never reach your potential. Your spouse will never reach their potential. But if you allow your mind to consume the Holy Torah, your neshama can become the greatest thing the world has ever seen. Just like that. Now they may not realize what they've done. I have enough experience already, Baruch Hashem, to know who's who and what's what. And I understand that a lot of good things are going to come from this family. I've seen a few of them before, and Bezat Hashem, I'll see many more. I can assure you that when a person is willing to be holy, even during intimacy, that means that that soul has a lot more potential than it even realizes. When a person is willing to sanctify themselves during such a time, that's a special person. But guess what? They can't do it alone. If it wasn't for her husband, she'd never be. And if it wasn't for his wife, he never reaches potential, which he hasn't even scratched the surface yet. What they can do together is truly unbelievable. Some of the greatest people I've met have been such people. People that simply realized we need each other. We need each other. Not just for financial reasons, not just for interesting conversations. We need each other in order to reach our mutual full potential. This Rabotai is one of the gifts that Akadoshba who gives us that you could both reach your full potential and enjoy the process. Jewish intimacy is not just an act to produce children. It's not just an act to fulfill some physical desire. It's not just an act to be like the nations. It's an act that tells you exactly where you stand, both with your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as well as with each other. But more than anything else, it tells you how unified you really are. Thank you for learning with me. May Hashem bless each and every single one of you to achieve your full potential together.
ברכה והצלחה, we'll learn again tomorrow. The moment I knew that Rabbi Yaron was my rabbi, when I was in yeshiva, I fell in love. I already met my future wife, you know, and I was like, I don't know what I should do. Like, I was kind of battling with like this thing inside. I was like, they're telling me like I should stay, grow, you know, at the yeshiva. But Rabbi Yaron just reaches out to me out of the blue and he says, by the way, if they're asking you to stay and you're trying to decide if you should stay or go back to continue dating this girl, you go back and continue this girl. You're not going to get another shit up like this. And I was like, how did he just know what I was just dealing with? And I said, okay, that's it. You know, battling. should I, should I? And I said, this is my rock. That's it. Like, this is for me. This is Hashem sending him. Like, this is who I got to listen to.